Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Recover with Carly podcast. I'm here today with the beautiful SB. SB is someone who I recently came across on TikTok, and I just have to say I am obsessed with her work and the videos that she's putting out there. So welcome, SB. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much for inviting me. I know it's been a minute. Like, we're all very excited to do this. Um, Then stuff comes up. Life is kind of crazy. So I'm very, very happy to finally be able to chat with you. Yes, I'm so excited. I feel like that's the case with most guests is it's a lot of, like, back and forth. And then we have a day and then things come up. And it's just, it is what it is. And we always make it happen. So that's all that matters. So really excited to have you. For listeners who aren't familiar with who you are and what you do, do you mind just sharing a little bit about yourself? Yeah, 100%. So my full name is Esperanza, but people call me Espy for short. I'm a 23-year-old content creator and grad student from Stockton, California. Um, So I'm currently schooling. I do communications, media, PR, marketing, but I am as well a content creator on social media. And my focus is definitely um, plus-size fashion, beauty, entertainment, dating. Um, I love to talk about the uncomfortable conversations with which, you know, I feel like are definitely sometimes the most needed or like there's a lot of value that comes out of it because I feel like the more uncomfortable conversation is, typically it's the most value comes out of it for sure. And yeah, so I just touch on all things plus size and that's a little bit about me. Have you always been into fashion and content creation and all of that? Or is that something that came recently for you? No, yeah, um, I would say that it, came about during my high school days not even like my freshman or sophomore year I was a bit like a late bloomer and everything like makeup hair like I wouldn't go to like my fresh freshman and sophomore year like I wouldn't go to school with like the most trendy outfits or anything um that may be partly because I I grew up you know um low income or whatnot but I feel like it's something that I definitely wanted to explore more, but, and I feel like a lot of people can relate to this, that maybe it's like the lack of resources or whatnot. Like I grew up my whole entire life with a single mother, so we didn't like grow up with the most privilege. Um, so I wasn't able actually like to explore and like get a sense of my fashion style until like late high school, early college, um, when I was like 16, 17, 18, like, I was able to like start exploring with my fashion sense a little more, but it's definitely always been something that intrigued me and I would be on Pinterest or Tumblr and like reblogging all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I, I'm happy now where I'm able to explore with it a little more. And do you feel like the exploration of fashion and your style, did that coincide with a journey and confidence and self-esteem or is that something that you feel like you always had? Yeah, 100%. I feel like that had a huge part of it as well. Like, I remember a time in elementary school where every single day in my life, I would wear, like, a hoodie or a sweater due to, like, body image issues. Even, so I live in California, even in the summer when it's, like, super, super hot, over 100 degrees, I would literally, in, like, fifth, fourth grade, I would still wear a sweater every day to school just because of how, like, self-conscious I was about myself, my body image, and um, it definitely took a lot of, like, growing, a lot of patience, and a lot of, like, self-discovery and self-reflection about, like, what is it 
about me that I'm like trying to cover up or why am I trying to cover up um and it wasn't with like a lot of like baby steps and working on myself and reading and and also just like discovering other plus size content creators that helped me realize like it's okay to wear things that show skin like your arms it's okay like my legs my thighs for me as a girl I'm actually like pretty bottom heavy so like I would never wear like like shorts or like a skirt or anything like that and it took me a really long time like my late high school years like like senior year like I, I wasn't fully confident to like wear shorts or a skirt until then so for sure confidence had a lot to do with it and were you raised in I, you mentioned you were raised by a single mom was <laughs> there conversations about body image or just bodies in general that were going on in your house when you were younger that maybe contributed to any insecurities or even helped overcome any of those insecurities? Yeah, well, I'm um, Hispanic, so it's a huge thing in our culture. And I know that other, like, at least, like, for me being Mexican, I know that other Mexican, like, plus-size girls can, like, relate to this, that sometimes in our culture and in our family, like, it's not always the most positive or uplifting environment and that's just like not even immediate family but just the whole family sometimes if it's like a holiday we go get together for christmas thanksgiving there's always comments about everyone's bodies not just Mm -hmm. like a plus size body but if someone's looking a little bit skinnier or thinner than usual they like question that or if someone looks a little bit bigger they like question you or put you on the spot um so sometimes they ask or go about it in a negative way or sometimes it's in a positive way but there is definitely like conversations around body image for sure. And um, some of it was very like, it makes you question yourself or, you know, like, oh, maybe I shouldn't wear this. Or sometimes I'll have conversations with my mom where she tells me like, oh, like you're young, you're beautiful. Like you shouldn't allow like the comments of others or you shouldn't allow like the way you possibly have like assumptions or negative self-talk about yourself to deter you from wearing something that you really really want to wear so I definitely did grow up in my specific upbringing with a lot of like positive like comments but also there was those negative ones and do you feel like those negative ones still come up for you or is that something you've been able to I talk a lot about this with with some of my clients in terms of like setting boundaries with family members and being able to like express to family members this is something that I don't really want to hear. These are comments that are actually like really triggering or hard for me to hear. Um, Do you feel like any boundaries were set or did it kind of just come naturally that people stopped commenting or maybe they're still commenting, but it doesn't have as much of an impact on you as maybe it did before? I think with time, yeah, like it all kind of like simmered or died down. I don't know about other cultures or like in other Hispanic families. Um, I think too, when like my family was getting more of an understanding or seeing like what I do online, like the message that I try to spread and my kind of purpose that I've, that I really, really like set in stone, like it all just kind of like died, simmered down. Um, But everyone for the most part is pretty like loving. I feel like at the end of the day, especially in my culture, I understand like Although sometimes it's hurtful, um, it's just like a very unique way that people in my culture attempt or 
try to show love, but sometimes it's pretty tough. So I never really take it to heart or take it like too personal. Or I used to be really sensitive about it and I would like cry, like especially when I was younger. But I think when I started getting older, like high school, um, my college years, like it didn't really happen as much. And, and if it did, then I'd just like brush it off. Like, yeah, it's yeah. all right. <laughs> Yeah, and I think I hear that a lot with clients that I have who are Hispanic or even just clients who come from families where that's like a different generation of people, right? Like my mom and my grandma and I'm sure your mom and like your grandma that was completely different generation. Some of those right. things were said and they weren't taken um, negatively a lot of times, like it was very normalized in that generation. And so I think for majority of people that I talk to about this kind of similar to what you were saying, there's almost this aspect of like in one ear out the other. Um, I know like telling themselves like, okay, I know this isn't, they're not trying to hurt me. They're not trying to cause harm. Um, how can I kind of just brush this off? Like you said. And I think that that comes with with work. And I'm curious to hear, like, if you agree with that, like, if that was, if that took work for you to get to that point where you could kind of just brush those things off and not feel as impacted by those comments. Yeah. And sometimes it would get hard in moments where I felt like the urge or like the courage to not talk back to those family members that would make comments like that. Or like maybe it's like cousins my age or they're younger or they're a little bit older than me that would make comments about, you know, body, my body specifically. Um, in my family, like the way my mom like kind of raised me, it was like, it doesn't matter if like an elder in your life, like an aunt or uncle would like make a comment about your body. Like you're still expected to respect you're still expected to respect them and never like mm -hmm. talk back. So that was like, I could have essentially like um, asserted like my boundaries or like kind of told them like, hey, like that's actually like really disrespectful. Like I would appreciate if you didn't say that. I would just, I would never ever, like that wouldn't even cross my mind because I was mm -hmm. always like kind of raised like, no, like you always have to be respectful of your elders no matter what. So mm -hmm. I never really had that opportunity and still to this day, mainly because like it never gets to that point anymore. Because like I mentioned, like they all know what I do online and what I stand yeah. for. So I think it just kind of naturally stopped. Is there any part of you that that wishes that you would have at any point set boundaries or said something to anyone? Or are you are you pretty happy with the way that you were taught to navigate it. Do you wish anything were different about that? Um, I I don't want to say that I have like any like regretful moments or wish mm -hmm. that I would have set boundaries. Sometimes I have those moments where I wish I do wish that it never happened because I still mm -hmm. think of like moments in times where like I would like I remember a moment where there was like a big family like gathering and then I had like a meal and like we were all sitting in this really big table like it was like a lot of us and then I got up to get seconds and then my uncle made a comment about that and my body and how you know like I was fat and I needed to like stop and he said that in front of like everyone in the whole entire room when it was like quiet so everyone heard and I remember like I cried for like days weeks because it, that was really impactful for me and I was like a little girl mm -hmm. and still thinking about that till this day it's very like traumatic and triggering and I don't know I feel like they don't really realize that what they say especially to like a little girl mm -hmm. like it's it's impactful it's hurtful 
So I don't really think back to that moment and I'm like, oh, I wish I would have said something or like have boundaries. But I, of course, wish that it never happened because it's something, you know, that I think of like I just thought of it right now. And Mm -hmm. it's still like kind of like, you know, it's traumatic to think about. But I do know that it's important to talk about it because I'm sure that others have had like similar experiences. But Mm -hmm. for me, I just kind of like learn and accept within myself like, okay, that happened, but it ultimately made me like a stronger person. And I think something that comes up a lot with clients as well is this idea of feeling this pressure to almost break these generational cycles, right? And I think that this obviously depends on the way that you're raised and the things that you're you're taught what you say, what you don't say to, you know, grandparents or other family members. But I think that there's this aspect of almost feeling this sense of empowerment in a way of finding a way to express those boundaries in a respectful way, right? I think that for a lot of people, I have clients who come to me who are like, you know, kind of similar to what you shared. You know, growing up, I was told you you just you take it, you don't, you don't say anything back, right, kind of thing. And Mm -hmm. I think there can be an aspect of that for listeners who maybe are experiencing that. I think that there can be an aspect of that where that can be communicated in a respectful way to grandparents or to other family members so that you're not continually finding yourself in those positions where you're hearing those things and constantly being like triggered and dysregulated. Um, and so I think like just encouraging listeners to think about or explore, like, are there ways that you feel like you can express these boundaries in a healthy way and a respectful way and saying like, I'm not upset with you. I'm not angry with you. I just am sharing with you that this is something that is hard for me. I wanted to mention that because I think there could be listeners who are like, I totally relate to SB and I oftentimes feel that hesitation to say something or to set a boundary, but it just keeps happening and I keep finding myself being triggered and it's impacting the way I view myself and my self-esteem. And so just reassuring everyone listening that those things can be communicated in a respectful, healthy way. We're all deserving of setting those boundaries in some capacity. Because again, it is hopefully, potentially, maybe breaking some of those generational cycles (laughs) in a way. Uh, But that looks different for everyone. So, you know, I think it just depends on what feels safe for each person, what feels the most doable. Because obviously we don't want you doing anything that's going to put you in a harmful situation or ruin a relationship with a family member that you're really close with. So finding, finding those ways to healthily express those boundaries. You make such, such a beautiful, valid point that I feel like it is important to like reassure and listeners that maybe are going through the same thing or girls that are younger than me. I was lucky enough where like if there was a gathering and there was like some of those family members that would make comments like that and I maybe felt uncomfortable, my mom was more than happy and willing and accepting that if I decide not to go. I think that was my boundary. It's Mm, it's like mm -hmm. I'd rather not put myself in those situations or like have those conversations come about. So I'm just going to like stay home. But I feel like that's, I don't want to compare it to running away from the problem, but like reassuring the listeners that it is possible to have like that healthy communication Mm -hmm. with maybe the person in your life that is, you know, being like disrespectful or hurtful, that it's, 
it's so it you should communicate with them like hey like is it okay if you know this stops or no longer continues mm-hmm. for example um i've been really using and practicing using like less you statements and more like i like maybe i feel this way when this is said so can we no longer talk about this so because sometimes you can come off as like really defensive or mm-hmm. maybe if it if like something like confrontation makes you uncomfortable which me i am 100 a person that doesn't like confrontation so Same. using Same. those yeah <laughs> so using those like i statements instead of the use can be very helpful even though it could be hard to like completely avoid you because sometimes it is important to like allow the person to self-reflect that maybe what they're saying or doing is wrong but Mm -hmm. that's another helpful tip to anyone listening just using less you statements and more i statements is also very beneficial as well yes 100 percent. that's definitely a technique that i that i share a lot with clients is this idea of when you're expressing these boundaries when you're expressing these emotions sharing it from your perspective i feel this way when you say this, or I find myself reacting this way when you say this. And you brought up a good point of that kind of defensiveness that may occur when we use you statements. A lot of times when we say you did this, people feel the need to defend themselves and they feel the need to say like, oh, well, I didn't mean for it to come off that way. Um, So Mm -hmm. by using those I statements, you are directly expressing how you have been impacted by that and oftentimes we get more of a empathetic and supportive response from people when we when we speak from like our own experiences and feelings really great tip thank you for for sharing that I love that (laughs) no totally I'm I'm very happy that you brought it up. And and I should have clarified that, yeah, like 100%. I'm not saying don't stand up for yourself. Um, oh, no. I yeah. Kind yeah. Of, <laughs> I was just kind of sharing, like, my experience, especially in, like, the Hispanic culture. It's like, you don't talk back to your grandma mm-hmm. or your uncle because, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. No, definitely. I definitely, I don't, that's not at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't take it that way at all. I think it's very valid to feel that and to have those experiences. I think that that's just something I see come up a lot with clients that are like, well, this is, these are my beliefs. This is my culture, right? And that is so valid that that's how you were raised and that's the environment that you were raised in. I think a lot of times people feel like that can't change. Like they feel like that they really can't kind of implement something a little bit healthier with family members. Mm -hmm. So I always try when I can to encourage people to like, hey, are there ways that you can still embrace your culture and maybe implement some new kind of healthier ways of communicating with people in your family? Totally, 100%. So when we were talking on Instagram, uh, when we were planning all of this, you had mentioned that you have struggled with or are struggling with anxiety. I would love to hear a little bit about what this journey has looked like for you before we get into this conversation about these videos that you make online that would really trigger my anxiety. (laughs) Yeah, 100%. So it has been like such a journey. I'm not going to lie. It's been very hard challenging one for sure and I still deal with a lot of challenges till this day but it all kind of started back in elementary school like sixth fifth sixth grade like um something 
like really, really traumatic happened in my life. Um, it had to do with like my father since, you know, mm-hmm. I grew up with a single mother and he's been just really just absent. I've never really had him in my life, but it's it's been this weird like in and out, in and out of thing, but it was never, never consistent. It was very unhealthy and toxic and basically something very traumatic happened in my life and it was specifically in the sixth grade and because of that traumatic moment and time in my life it just really triggered like this never-ending like roller coaster it very much felt like anxiety very much feels like when you deal with it so severely and like panic attacks it could at times feel like hell on earth or it literally feels like you're dying. Like I would not ever wish anxiety or panic on my worst enemy, at least in the level that I had it and I struggled with it. Um, I do still struggle with struggle with it, but not not in the extent that I did like in my sixth grade, seventh, eighth grade. Um, it became so severe. Um, I was I was going to public school in the sixth grade, um, but then I realized that, that it. I couldn't do it anymore and like I was I was missing a lot of class and I always since I was a very young girl straight A student 4.0 still I could probably say I still am that girl but I was always like a huge nerd like I love school but because of that traumatic moment like I could no longer do it physically in person I had to become homeschooled I was my anxiety and my panic attacks they were so bad and horrible that my seventh and my eighth grade I was completely homeschooled and during that time in my life I couldn't even leave my house because it was so bad. It was very hard for me to socialize with people and it's crazy like if people watch my videos or my Instagram now they think like or my family for example that knows all of this and has witnessed this um, they're like what the hell happened to Espy? It's like a total 360 but anyway so starting in the uh, middle school, I was homeschooled because of this reasoning. Um, but it wasn't until like my eighth grade of middle school when I was still homeschooled, everything was behind a screen, behind a computer. I realized that I was really fed up with the life that I was living. Um, I was not in a healthy place at all in terms of my mental health as well. I felt very, very truthfully just like useless, worthless. And I realized with a lot of therapy as well. And my mom, literally, God bless her, like, without her, like, I don't think I would even be alive till this day without her because it was that bad. I had a lot of, lot of, like, bad thoughts and I realized that this can no longer continue because it's not only hurting, it it got to the point where it was not only hurting, I was not only hurting myself, but I was hurting the people around me that loved me most. And I think when it gets to that point where it's like, you're watching people you know, cry or be upset because the people that love you, like they don't want to see you hurt or in a very like terrible, bad situation. And I realized that me kind of like being in this like depressed, anxiety induced space, like um, I was just very being very hurtful to my mom, not intentionally, but it made her really sad to see me in that position. So like her love for me and my sister's love for me, like really drove me and gave me strength to really, really challenge myself to go to public high school. And I remember vividly, like, it was so hard for me to go to freshman year orientation in high school. Um, When I went, it was very hard for me, but I did it. And then when I got back home, um, I remember my sister, I'm 23 now, she's 25. So she's like two years older than me. Um, 
and we always like bumped heads like we were like sisterly like you know we never really got along but like we always loved each other when I got home from orientation that day she kind of like cried in my arms and she was like Espy like I'm so proud of you and like my mom and my sister like they basically cried of happiness and I realized that like Espy like you could actually do this like you could leave the house you could socialize with others even though it was very it was very hard I was very awkward I was a very anxious girl um I did that and then I would say like definitely the rest is history like I took every day like when going to that orientation it really felt like I climbed the Mount Everest because it was so draining but if you take a girl that's been kind of like three years inside of her house every single day and like her preteen years and like you, that's those are the years you're supposed to like flourish and become like this, you know, you're supposed to like kind of low it, like grow in this very awkward stage. But I kind of spent it just in my room every single day. If you take a girl that spent like three years in her room and then you just kind of threw her out in like high school orientation, it was a very, very, very scary thing. Um, so basically, I would say that that's where I kind of am, like, still to this day, like, I take every day as it comes, but with a lot, a lot of, like, education, information, resources, my family support, my mom especially, like, I was able to really get myself out of, like, those comfort zones, and each day that goes by till this day, like, I get myself, like, I challenge myself and I set, like, mini baby steps and it's definitely got me, I would say, like, pretty far right now. I It sounds crazy, but I didn't think that I would make it this far. Like, I thought that I was sincerely going, I felt like I wanted to die and I thought that I was going to die back then, but I'm here today and that's just kind of how it how it kind of happened. I'm so thankful that you shared all of that. And mm -hmm. I am really thankful for your vulnerability and for opening up and feeling comfortable sharing what that experience was like for you, because it sounds like it was incredibly difficult and is still something that you're navigating day to day. But I am so happy to hear that you took that really difficult step. You pushed yourself out of your comfort zone for that freshman orientation and you came back from it feeling so proud of yourself like that is truly so inspiring to so many people who are listening who are like I relate to this like I I don't want to leave my house I feel anxiety I feel these panic attacks coming on and I think hearing your story gives people hope that this this doesn't have to be where I'm at forever. And I can, I can get better and I can leave the house and I can overcome this anxiety with support of family and friends and therapy and resources and all of those skills that it sounds like you now use to help you manage and navigate that anxiety on a daily basis. So I'm so proud of you and I hope that you're proud of yourself because that's not an easy an easy thing to overcome in any capacity. Anxiety on top of trauma, right, is really difficult to navigate and you did it and you're you're here and you're thriving and you're, you know, prioritizing yourself every single day and I I think that that's something that a lot of people are going to feel really inspired and empowered by because I am like I feel very inspired by you. Thank you so much. And yeah, I would for sure say like the whole transition was hard and such and I don't know, social media is like this really interesting place where, you know, you can kind of like browse through an account 
And then, like, you have this assumption, like, oh, this girl has it all together. Like, she, she's very confident. Like, she goes out and does these interviews. Like, how? And it took so much work. And I don't know. Sometimes social media can come off as, like, super, like, like just really superficial. And, um, you know, people just see, like, sometimes, like, I'll just take a very, like, like a selfie or something. And I don't know. There's, there's definitely... From my experience, like I look at other content creators and other bloggers and such, and I just realized that there is like a story behind like a lot of people. And um, I'm just super glad that I was able to share just a tiny bit of mine and kind of like how I experienced and came about social media for sure. Like it, it became like a safe place for me where because of my anxiety and how shy I was, like it was, it's way more comforting for me to talk behind a screen, to talk behind a camera, because sometimes it's hard to go out and do those things. And I think that my middle school years, um, the internet and the computer and gaming and um, Tumblr, like they became like a very like safe place for me for sure. And I found a lot of comfort in it. And that's where my love really started. So yeah, now being able to come on a podcast and talk about a little bit of my story, it's just really cool and full circle. And so let's talk a little bit about the videos that you're kind of known for on TikTok and Instagram. Um, I mentioned at the beginning, like I came across, I came across you and your account um, from one of your videos that you had done where you were, I think you were at like a fair or a carnival or some public public place and you went up to a couple of men, guys, and you asked them if they would ever date a plus size person. And I remember being like, oh my God, (laughs) I cannot imagine the stress that this, this woman has to be feeling like asking these questions because like you were saying, you're not a confrontational person. I'm also not a confrontational person. And so the thought of that gives me a little bit of like butterflies in my stomach. But I'm curious, where did this idea of going up to random people and asking them if they would date a plus size person, where did this come from? Um, well, I guess I'll just start off with, you know, me growing up like a really shy girl, middle school, like freshman year of high school. Like, I maybe it's because I'm a Pisces, but I grew up like a very much like hopeless romantic, like um, me being like plus size and then awkward on top of that and then on top of that I have my my anxiety I have my panic attacks I kind of like looked at dating and relationships as almost this unattainable thing where it's just like I would watch a movie or I would look at couples around me and I'd be like dang like I really wish I had that and it was because of my body image issues it was because of my anxiety but at the time like and still to this day like you don't really see like plus size bodies or bigger bodies talked about in the realm of like dating or like romance even on movies streaming services like it's never really like the plus size body or the bigger bigger person in the in a movie is usually like a best friend or a comedian of some sort and I just think that's kind of like it's something that for sure should be changed and mm-hmm. I, I wish there was like a trope where like there's a romance and there's like um someone plus size in it and like maybe like 
the topic of like their body image or something like it would be cool if that's not even like a topic of conversation like it's really just like a plus size girl navigating life meeting a guy or vice versa like a guy living his life and meeting a girl like it should just be like I wish it was like this completely normalized thing but I realize that it's not and it's a topic of conversation that's not really spoken about I would say within like the online plus size community like a lot of it is um, fashion beauty which is amazing it's something that I explore as well um but I was just like I think there is a lot of amazing fashion like beautiful content creators and I really want to just kind of talk about and have those uncomfortable conversations whether it's in dating or just like navigating life as plus size girls like we experience so much of the same things like the community is very much I I just feel like we're very much all like sisters because like we experience the same like we experience the same things and a lot of it's super relatable so I just kind of wanted to talk about stuff that people can like laugh at or maybe just have a conversation around or maybe it be like a form of entertainment but I would say the main purpose is just to show people that like plus size bodies are lovable they're like people find them attractive even though the media doesn't really show that or portray that like people out there love and respect plus size bodies but also there's that very tiny and unfortunate topic of like people still find like there's still discrimination towards plus size bodies like I feel like a preference is one thing but sometimes if a line is crossed like things are no longer a preference preference it's like it's just like a very it could be like a disrespectful comment or whatnot so it's to highlight a lot of different things it's to highlight that plus size bodies are lovable and people love them like it's not something that you should you shouldn't shy away from dating because you're maybe scared like oh maybe they won't like me because I'm bigger people do love plus size bodies but also people still discriminate against them so my purpose is to just kind of shed light onto those conversations And do you feel like you're able to distinguish pretty clearly the difference in preference and just pure fat phobia? Um, sometimes I would say when I'm interviewing and stuff, for sure. Um, some people are pretty respectful and they just say like, no, it's not really my type. But then some people like the boy that you mentioned in that video, he goes like, no, I wouldn't date fat bitch. Like, heck no. Like that's, I feel like just some I wouldn't even call those men like they're definitely like boys you know because there's a way to go about and saying like you're not interested in someone plus size but then it's just like I don't know he was just clearly disrespectful (laughs) yeah yeah and I think another one that I that stood out to me too is um one that you did I think it's pinned on your Instagram but you asked this guy if he would date a plus size person and his response was no I don't think so like I'm a really active person like I like to go to the gym and you responded with like when you go to the gym do you see plus size people there and he was like yeah and you were like so plus size people can enjoy going to the gym and like there are plus size people out there who are very active and like to go to the gym and kind of proving to him this idea that like if someone exists in a larger body that they must not take care of themselves or they must not go to the gym or they must not like working out and so I think like not only are you showing people that there are there are individuals who really love and appreciate plus size women but you're also showing these stereotypes that come up for people who 
are fat phobic, who are navigating fat phobia, like internally within themselves, because you get comments like that of like, well, I'm like a really active guy and I love to go to the gym. And so like, I need someone who can match that with me. And you're like, well, that doesn't me that a plus size person can't be that. So I think that that's another aspect of your videos that is really powerful too, is is showing that there are still some of these like lingering stereotypes and you're, you're kind of breaking those down for a lot of people. And I think that that's a really important conversation and a really important thing for people to see within those interviews. No, yeah. And I appreciate you like so much for saying that. And maybe realizing that because I've gone, it's not like an overbearing amount, but I've gone like some comments that I see like, oh, why are you doing this? Or why are you asking these questions? Like, are you just seeking male validation? Like, is that really your goal? But that's not at all ever and has never been my intention. And then I've had some people say like, oh, are you that desperate? Like you want a boyfriend that bad? Like you're going out asking these things. I'm like, I don't expect to like go up to a stranger and then like (laughs) have them be my boyfriend over like this this question, you know, like, I don't, that's not at all was my goal or my intention. So yeah, it's, it's very like at times relieving to hear that people like you, like see, see the message behind it. One other thing that I was curious about too, is like when you hear, when you're in those situations as someone who is navigating anxiety, but also as someone who is just a human and navigates body image and confidence and self-esteem and and all of those things, do you ever find yourself leaving those interviews feeling feeling like down about yourself or questioning your self-worth? Or do you feel like you are pretty good at reassuring yourself of like, these people's opinions really don't matter. One, they're strangers. And two, like, I don't want someone who doesn't see a plus size person as like, a valid person to, you know, be able to have that impact on me. But I was just curious, like, if there were ever situations where you walked away from that being like, oh, God, that kind of really sucked. I would say right now in this moment, like, since I've been doing it for like a second, I don't feel that way at all. But just kind of reflecting on the very, very first time that I filmed those videos, I like I'm still learning like camera equipment, how to record things, lighting, like it's all like super brand new to me. So the very, very first time that I went out and I filmed these interviews, I asked on my previous campus, which is Sacramento State. And when I went out and I filmed for the very first time, I straight up got nose, like back to back to back, like every single guy that I was interviewing on campus for my very first time, everyone said no. But those videos never really, I was never able to post them because it was my first time and I was still learning camera equipment. Either those videos, the audio was really bad, the camera quality was really bad, it was blurry. Um, it, I was just still learning the camera equipment. So unfortunately, like those videos won't get posted because they're just like, it's just bad content quality. But that first time that I went out and I filmed those videos and I just got like, no, no, no. And then they all had their reasonings, which some of them were disrespectful or mean. Um, I I remember going home that day and being like, dang, like, I don't want people to like watch these videos as well and just feel like complete shit about themselves. Or if, if a girl watches like a video of mine and, you know, I don't want it to impact them in that way because that's the way like I went home feeling like I was just like, dang, like 
you know, it's, it is true that how much like people still discriminate towards bigger bodies or people still like, it's just not, sometimes it, it feels like it's not possible for a plus size girl to find love, but actually it's, it's the opposite. But that day specifically, I remember I went home and felt like kind of beat up. But when I further on, like went out, started talking to more people, I was talking to like people of all ages. I started talking to girls, like they're you know, with the more that I do this, like, there are so many more men and so many, quote-unquote, like, fishes in the sea that do love plus-size bodies, that do see them as worthy, that do just love every aspect of them. But that first day, specifically, when I was on my college campus, I did feel, like, a little let down. But then I kind of grew out of that mindset, and I'm just, like, the more I did it, the more I learned that there are just so many other people that do love bigger bodies. And I love that. I love that you kept going um, from that first (laughs) experience and didn't take that as like, okay, well, maybe this isn't as great of an idea as I thought it was going to be. You know, I think it could have been easy to say that, just be like, you know what, scratch this. Let's, let's try something else. I'm so thankful that you kept going and you're like, nope, we're going to, we're going to keep doing this. We're going to keep asking people. We're going to keep learning um, because now your videos have reached millions of people and are reminding individuals, specifically people in plus size bodies, that they are deserving of love and that there are people out there who find them attractive and desirable and worthy of of love and a relationship. So I think that that says so much about like your determination to keep going and also just your passion for wanting to show the world that mm-hmm. plus size people can be loved and they're they're deserving of that. So I think that that is a message that sticks with a lot of people and keeps people kind of going out on dates and on the dating apps and putting themselves out there is they know like, okay, I know there's, there's people out there and I'll find them. It might just take, it might just take a little time, but we'll get there. So i um, very thankful that you kept going after that first round where you're like, this did not go how I expected. <laughs> yeah, totally. Like I, I think that was for sure. Like my number one driving force is like, no, like the message that I do want to spread and and the purpose that I have is like, I want to show others that plus size bodies are love. Like just because I asked like a few boys on my college campus, this question, like that's not a reflection of like society as a whole or like this generation. So yeah, just silly enough. Like I remember those videos too. Like they were just really bad quality and I, was, and I was also learning how to use all the cram equipment. I was like, I should not feel discouraged as well to learn, you know, how to work a microphone. Like, I'm still learning to this day. But, yeah, those those videos are ultimately, like, a lot of fun to film. Um, even, like, maybe if I come across a negative guy or negative girl that says something, like, pretty, like, mm, out of pocket, I, I'm still, like... You know, you know what, like, I appreciate your input because with consent, of course, like, then I'm just going to show, you know, my audience that this is the way someone feels about, like, a plus-size body, so. And I think it helps people understand, like, that is someone I definitely don't want, <laughs> you know? Like, I think, like, seeing examples of people who, who say those kind of out-of-pocket things, it's like, okay, that is definitely definitely a red flag and definitely someone who I never want to 
to go for. So um, I think that's helpful in that aspect too. One thing that I like to ask guests toward the end of the podcast is for them to give listeners a piece of advice. So what piece of advice would you give listeners who are navigating confidence, self-esteem, fashion in a plus size body? Yeah, I feel like the number one most important thing that I've kind of learned is it's so important to like self-reflect and kind of like learn what exactly is triggering you. So let's say something that you want to work on is like finding more courage and confidence and wearing like clothing, like maybe journal at night, like what are the reasonings that you Mm -hmm. feel maybe like discouraged or kind of shy to wear like a piece of clothing or maybe it's like you feel shy about showing your arms like why is that and then make a list of like why it's nice or important to wear like clothing that you want especially with a lot of us that you know enjoy social media like we're teens or preteens we're young adults we're like in our 20s like We should be able to enjoy life with, like, no fear and such. So just kind of self-reflect, analyze, like, what is it exactly that's, like, kind of making you hesitant. And my biggest tip would be to, like, take baby steps in order to, you know, maybe face those fears. Because I feel like for me, it was definitely fear. I can't really speak for anyone else because it it definitely varies. Everyone's so different. But um, for for me, it was, like, fear of judgment. But, you know... I feel like people are more so worried about themselves at the end of the day than the opinion or something that someone else is wearing around you. And that kind of helped me as well. Or sometimes it's the mindset of if I'm going to the grocery store and I'm wearing a tank top, like that, the people I see at the grocery store, more than likely, like I'm never going to see them again a day in my life. So it's just like that kind of helps me too with filming interviews and such. So it's just identifying your fears and then maybe taking that negative self-talk and making it into positive ones and just rewiring your brain and those words. And that could just be super helpful and beneficial for sure. As a therapist, I love, 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 love to hear the cognitive reframing happening and recommending yeah. the cognitive reframe. I think that's a really great a really great tip to have and would you say that that would be the same tip that you would give people who are navigating anxiety or would you would there be something a different tip that you would recommend for anyone listening who's navigating anxiety again it's so different for everyone um for me I grew up ever since I was a little girl loving writing I'm not gonna lie I wasn't lying when I said I was a bit of a nerd and I kind of took that love and made it into something that I do every single day. So every single night I journal, I do, for me, it's self-affirmations that really help me. I'm also, I know not, not everyone believes in this, but manifestations and writing the same thing every day. I remember growing up, like I would write over and over and over again in my journal, like I will live a happy, stress-free life or, or it could be like a statement of like, I will not have a panic attack today or and I will just write that like over and over again. Whatever it is that you want to manifest or have or just in your life in general, you, it could be something as simple as like, I will be calm and stress-free today. And I would write that like a whole entire one page. I know it may sound silly or crazy to some people, but that really helped me and my brain and just like exercising, you know, my brain as well. Or or you could just write something as little as like how your day went. Um, so I would say writing for sure is, is a big tip I have. And I love that. I think that's a really beautiful 
space to kind of wrap up and to kind of leave listeners with. They're these really powerful, um, tangible tips that they can walk away with and try implementing into their day-to-day life to navigate body image and confidence, but also anxiety and any other things that come up from that for them. So thank you, SB, for sharing those. Um, and to kind of wrap things up, do you mind sharing with listeners where they can follow along, where they can can find you online and support you? Yeah, for sure. So my Instagram and TikTok username is at 11SB. So that's 11ESPI. I've also been working on a lot of things that haven't really been released or teased yet, but um, I've been working a lot on songwriting, music, so I'm going to have music coming out, which is really exciting. Oh, yay! And then um, I'm also working on a podcast as well, so that will be coming out very, very soon. Amazing. Yeah, stay tuned, stay connected, and I'm very excited to still continue having like these uncomfortable conversations because, again, I feel like the most value comes out of them for sure. Definitely. And I'll put everything in the show notes so it's easy for listeners to find you and to follow along. Um, But again, SB, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for sharing your story and your experience and being vulnerable and just being a voice for so many people to advocate for themselves and to show up for themselves and to really just understand that they're worthy and desirable no matter the size of their body. So thank you so much for for being here and for for everything that you do. No, yeah. Thank you so much for having me and giving me the opportunity to use your platform to like speak a little bit about my story. And hopefully the listeners, even if one person that's listening, you know, took from it like that, that means a lot to me. So thank you to you and thank you to everyone listening. Of course. And listeners, if you resonated with today's episode, please feel free, leave a rating, a review, screenshot, tag SBNI, let us know what your thoughts were, what your takeaways were. Um, it means the world to us and we love hearing what you're taking away from, from our conversation. So thank you all for being here and we'll see you in the next episode. Bye. Bye.